Welcome to Discipleship Discussions on the Sovereign Hope Church podcast. Discipleship Discussions is a series of conversations aimed to help move you towards a culture of discipleship in your life by doing just that, helping each other follow Jesus in all of life through the gospel. And helping us today is Sarah Platt. Sarah and her husband, Dustin, live in LA with their uh, 10-month-old daughter named Rose. Uh, They are members at Cornerstone West Los Los Angeles, not Los Angeles. Um, I'm sure there's probably jokes that Los Angelians have about that, but uh, I didn't mean to make one. Uh, But that is where Scott Mel, who is a friend of our church, has preached at Sovereign Hope a couple times, um, is a pastor. And I reached out to Scott, to see, uh, to kind of share with him the scope of our project for what we're trying to do with discipleship discussions. I said, Hey, do you guys have somebody in your church who embodies this interpersonal discipleship and evangelism? And, uh, he said, I've got a perfect person. And he referred Sarah to me. And so Sarah, thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having me. I have, for the record, I've never heard the joke about Los Angeles. (laughs) <laughs> okay. You know, maybe it's just what jokes Montanans make about it. So. <laughs> we, we found a lot of former LA people up here, and so they just seem lost. Yes. Yep. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> uh, so, Sarah, why don't you share with us for a little bit just um, kind of a snapshot of you, your family, um, what you do for work, what your husband does? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, my husband and I, we just celebrated 10 years of of wedded bliss, uh, 10 years of marriage. Congratulations. Thank you. It was, it was a quite a, a 10th year being in a pandemic. Um, yes. we, so we are originally, both of us are originally from Minnesota. So we grew up together. We've known each other pretty much our entire lives. And so a hot dish or casserole? Ooh, hot dish. Okay. It's for a hot sure. Dish. Okay. Yeah. All right. <laughs> so, um, yeah, we could talk all day about Midwestern <laughs> culture and I would love it, but, um, yeah, so my husband and I are originally from Minnesota, uh, grew up together, and have lots of stories on each other, of course, as a result. I won't give you the whole spiel, but basically, God led us out to Los Angeles pretty shortly after after we married, right after college, um, so that my husband could attend seminary. He went to the Master's Seminary in Sun Valley, and... Um, he is a non-vocational elder at our church. During the day, he serves as a software engineer for a tech company. And we have a 10-month-old daughter, like you said, Rose. She was born in July, so right in the, the hot Part summer, the thick of everything. Yeah, there was a time when the hospitals, we weren't even sure he was going to be able to come to the hospital. So we are very yeah. thankful that uh, you know God has seen us through this interesting season. But yeah, that's a... That's a high-level look at us. Me, right now, I am, um, of course, continuing to adjust to being a new mom. I, um, previous to having Rose, was um, running my own business, doing marketing and public relations. That's kind of my, it's been my, on the corporate side, what I do. But then I also dance in a jazz dance company here in Los Angeles. And um, so I kind of have had a career of uh, lots of different slices of the pie, and I like a lot of variety. And of course... We'll talk about that today, I'm sure, in some some regards. But um, yeah, have have during the pandemic, a lot of that stuff has kind of quieted down, of course, and so it's it's allowed me to kind of focus on being a new mom, focusing on Rose, raising her, and teaching her how to teaching her how to do things like eat and try and minimize the amount of food throwing and things on the ground. So it's been a it's been a very unique season of loving and serving in a different way for me, and it's been wonderful. Yeah. 
Yeah. No, the the uh, the pandemic babies are going to be a unique uh, breed in because even at yes. our church we had like newborns going into the pandemic who you saw once and they're coming back and they're like driving cars now and you're yes. just like what happened I feel like we missed yes. something here. Yeah. Well, and the funny thing is I was just starting to show my my bump was starting <laughs> to show right as everything was locking down and so you know there's just like surprise like <laughs> I have a you thing know, once we emerge yeah. <laughs> That's funny. So, it's been fun. One thing we always start off with is uh, we like to ask our guests to kind of define their framework for how they think through what discipleship is and isn't. And we don't have a perfect definition, but it's a definition we want to provide that's hopefully simple enough people can act on it, but clear enough that we know uh, what in the world it is we're trying to do when we do it. And so we define discipleship as helping each other follow Jesus in all of life through the gospel. So when you think about um, you participating in discipleship, what are some of the things you're thinking through, whether it's a definition or a paradigm or this is what I'm after? Um, so you actually have a sort of direction and freedom. Yeah, when I think about discipleship, um, I feel like there are just a few words that come to my mind. One being, of course, growth and Christlikeness. Like the goal of discipleship specifically is to grow and seeking growth and pursuing Christ um, from a, from a grace standing on grace. Right. Mm. And, and I think, I think that another thing that I think of is intentionality. And then thirdly, I think of there's, there's a, there's permission to speak into someone's life as the discipler, or you're giving someone permission to speak in as someone being discipled. I think it has to be a two-sided thing. It can't just be, I want to disciple you, and I'm just going to tell you what I think you need to be growing in and doing. Um, that isn't... <laughs> right. It, it, it's in relationship. And then so I think the um, just by definition, it has to be something that is welcome and agreed upon and... Um, with kind of the, the pursuit of growth and Christ-likeness and so, intentionality too. So. so those are three great three things. So you have this kind of like grace powered growth, you have this mm -hmm. intentionality uh, and then you have this relational medium in it. How did you uh, get there? In other words, what is your story of discipleship where uh, for the first time you you saw it and you're like, I'm being discipled right now. This is a season where I'm understanding what's going on. Or maybe you're able to look back and see, I was unaware of what was happening there, but this is what I was experiencing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I definitely have some instances in my life where, you know, I became a Christian. I grew up in the church, but became a Christian really solidly walking with Jesus right at the top of my senior year of high school. And we had a great youth pastor who, um, was, would show up to our lunches, like hang out with kids. He was, he was really, he really embodied what it looked like to be that consistent, like trusted, safe person. Um, so I feel like he was one of the first people I saw embody that. And so, yeah, at the time I did, I was just like, this guy just shows up to lunch or he'll, he'll take a few of us out and we'll chat. But, um, yeah, looking back, I feel like that's one of the first places I saw that modeled. <clears throat> And, but when, where I really started to actually engage with it and see it for myself in real time was probably in college when I was 
actively involved in a college ministry um, called Campus Outreach. I'm not sure if you're familiar with it, but yeah, they, they usually attach themselves to a local church. And um, <clears throat> I was in Minneapolis, I was going to University of Minnesota. So I was at the Minneapolis campus. And um, the way that they functioned their small groups was you would have someone on staff meeting with you and you would have three or four or five girls in a Bible study. And then you would get together with a just your that staff person would kind of disciple you either every week or every other week. And so that was the first time I had someone like consistently in my life asking me questions um, who, yeah, I had, she had permission to ask me anything and I was open with her. And um, that was, yeah, really the first time where I saw um, just the impact of having an older woman. She wasn't like 20 years older than me, you know, she's probably 10 right. years at the time, yeah. but you know, when you're in college, anyone older than you feels like so Almost much dead. older. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so uh, that really was for me um, a very, very impactful time where I saw the benefit of, of like, wow, I'm really growing by having someone consistently in my life being intentional with me. Um, and even for Dustin and I, you know, we were dating at that time. And so it was very helpful for us even to have another couple kind of helping us navigate, like, what does it look like to date in college? And, you know, all those questions that come up too. So it was not only individual, but sort of a little bit of like co-discipleship in some senses too. So what was it like for you to encounter that uh, intentionality? When you first encountered it, was it like, who are you and why are you telling me these things? Or was it something that you were like, I see what's going on and I really enjoy that. Like, was that something you grew up with? Was that something that was new for you? Yeah, it, it was new. And I remember, I remember getting to college and, and, you know, people in campus ministries wanting to be intentional with, with you, right. To like join our Bible study, whatever. And, and I think there was an initial like, Whoa, like take it easy. Like, I don't know you, you know, <laughs> like you really want to like be my friend. Um, but of course, now knowing like what it looks like on the other side, I can see like, oh, they were they were just trying to be intentional to to help me grow and kind of bring me into the fold a little bit of like the flow of what's going on in this campus ministry. So definitely at first I was a little like, ah. <laughs> um, but then once I had a few meetings with this person or like got kind of more involved and knew the other ladies in the group, it was like, oh. Because I also was really longing for friendship at that point, you know, far away from home, well, an hour and a half, which at the time was far, yeah. um, of course. And and so really, like, despite all that, I was hungry for community. I was hungry for someone to seek me out. And so, yeah, in the end, it ended up being like a really wonderful blessing. And my first discipler, her name was Holly, like, I still think about her as one of the people who has had the most impact on my life. Um, and she's actually someone I'll probably mention later when you talk about your greatest growth. She's someone who really spoke in, in a way that I had never had someone call me out lovingly or speak truth and love to me before. Um, and she said some things to me that I'll never forget that I hang on to and seek to grow in even now. Uh, so I can't say enough how much, how much of a, of an impact it made on me. Well, that's awesome. So yeah, yeah. 
we'd love to hear about that. What what was that like? Um, that season of growth with Holly, and what were things she was doing that uh, were helpful for you as it comes to following Jesus? Yeah, I think um, the difference with Holly was she. I was in a season of life. This was like my sophomore year of college or something, where I was I was very 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 busy. I had a very very busy season in life, and. Um, it was, it was willing. It was something, it was things I signed up for and kind of took on a big, a big load. And I was very wound up about it and all stressed out. And she knew me enough and we had been meeting long enough where I think she was able to put the pieces together for me to see what was going on that I was so blind to. And I'll never forget this moment. We were at like a winter retreat for some, for the ministry. And she was like, Sarah, you are afraid to fail. Do you see that? And it was like, all these things just locked into place. And I realized like, she's so right. And I wasn't even ready at the time to hear it. Like I wasn't ready to take those steps of growing in that way. I didn't really even have the tools yet to, to figure out like, okay, I see that, but now what, you know? Um, whereas now I, I feel like I'm, that's something I'm continuing to grow in. It's like a lifelong goal of mine to continue to grow in that as I apply the gospel to my own heart and ask others to do that for me too. So um, that I feel like set off a season of really seeking growth in that area. But the only reason that came about was because she knew me and we had enough of a context for our relationship where she could see the pieces that were coming together even before I did. And um, so she was listening to me. She was knowing me. She was... um, And at the same time, she was courageous. Like she was courageous Mm. enough to lovingly, like she she wasn't, she was like stern enough, you know, where I knew like she's being serious right now. I didn't really pay attention to what she's saying. Um, But I could tell that it was like, like a parent cares for their child or something like, you need to hear me on this. Like this is serious. You really need to, we need to work on this, you know? So, um, so what went, uh, that's a really interesting perspective. What, from your looking back, what went into that relational capital that allowed her to say that? Like, what did Holly do um, that gave you that right sense of this is really harsh, this is really firm, but this is in the the comfort of a sister who I know loves me and loves Jesus? Yeah, I mean, maybe at that point we had known each other for a year, year and a half, and had been meeting up pretty consistently at least every week or every other week individually or with a, a two girls and her and we would meet for coffee we'd meet for lunch I would go over to her place and we would just sometimes we would be going through something like a book because we were also in a like a bible study together and sometimes we would just meet and talk about how life is going and she would just pursue me with good questions and uh sort of sort of counseling like very loose very loose counseling in that sense but um yeah, we just had that baseline of I saw her and she also opened up to me, which I think mm. was a huge, so huge it was modeled thing to that you. I saw. It was modeled to me. Yes. And so I saw things in her. She shared things. Um, of course, I was not discipling her because I was not, I was, it was like I would pray for her, but I wasn't able to really meet her where she, what she needed. It was, she was totally doing that to model vulnerability in, in that sense. So, so yeah, we had those meetups and then we also had 
um, those like groups of four or five girls where we would meet every week for a Bible study. And that really laid the groundwork for us as girls, young women, girls sound so young, uh, young women <laughs> to, <laughs> to um, meet and be vulnerable on our own. So that was a little bit more of like a co-discipleship thing, right? With our friends. But then Holly was like the one who could really like, I see what's going on here. Yeah. Let's She's talk about two this. and two together. Yeah. 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 So, so you have this um, wonderful experience in college where you ha- encounter this gospel shaped truth embodied in uh, brothers and sisters in Christ who want to help draw that out. And um, I love those experiences. So, my background's in mm-hmm. campus ministry. We love CO. We partnered with our summer projects with CO. Um, yeah. And discipleship is like their bread and butter, it's like they, what they hang their hat on. Yeah. And that's where, why, yeah. p- part of why we're pursuing this very podcast, because college students are just emotionally and time-wise entirely confused. And so we just sweep in and, and provide events and relationships and we got them. Um, but then graduation happens and you have to become an adult and things change and you apply things in different contexts and boyfriends become husbands and internships become jobs and Mm -hmm. Xbox parties become baby showers and all these things happen really fast. And so what did you um, pick up in, and and maybe you already answered this, so feel free to um, kind of develop it a little more if you, if you want to, but what did you pick up in campus ministry and discipleship that you were able to take into the next stage of life that you were in, um, and begin applying that in different contexts? It's interesting to think about because part of it just happens to be the way that Dustin and I, the way that God led us through our story is we graduated college and then basically immediately moved on to Cornerstone West LA. So it felt, it felt like we were, because we were coming straight from college into a new church setting, we, and losing all of our community, we felt this incredible need (laughs) to like one, make friends and make community, but also we knew the sweetness of what we had Mm. developed through having people in your life who know you down to the core, who you could talk about anything with and share and just be open and honest. And so we really came into Cornerstone seeking that and seeking to cultivate a culture and a community of that, not really knowing like how common is that in church settings? You know, we, right. we, we didn't have a context for being an adult in a church. Um, and so we just knew we love what we've had. Um, and so we were really all about like, let's get dinner with people. Let's get, and maybe I'm confusing community with discipleship a little bit here in the way that I'm answering the question, but I think. Um, but it sounds like you're bringing a bit of that intentionality into yes, it and relationship. That's the main, which is yeah, the main thing was like, we're starting over. We need, we need friends. We need people in our lives. We want to be in other people's lives. And really what that looked like for us was we said yes a lot to serving in ministries that we were like, I'm not really sure we're like, fit for this, but there's a need. And so we want to meet people we want to serve. And so I feel like there's a little bit of a lesson for me in that now, as we are looking forward to the next season ahead of starting over a little bit again, it's okay for there to be seasons where you're not serving in the area where you feel like this is my gifted, my perfect ministry, you know, because really in the end, it's not about me. Mm. I'm, I need to be willing hands and feet for the Lord. And um, so, so there was that, but then there's also 
the community groups and joining that and really being intentional to have dinners with people and hang out outside of group and seek to ask people for coffee before work. And that thread of intentionality, I think, has been what carried over from college into into this new season of being an adult and trying to figure it out in a new city. <laughs> so, Sarah, do you, uh, do you consider yourself to be an introvert or an extrovert? And I don't mean to say, do you consider yourself socially awkward or socially functional? Do you, are, uh, <laughs> I mean, in the sense of, are you one who naturally is energized by interaction with others? Or are you one who is naturally energized by um, kind of that retreat? Definitely extroverted in that sense. Yeah. Okay. I, I like, I get definitely get fired up being around people. Like we will have community group pre-pandemic, you know, in our home and I will be like buzzing before I go to bed. It's like I get wired. So for better or for worse, uh, yeah. that's, that's just how I've the Lord. And what, what about Dustin? Um, he is an introvert. Okay. Yeah. Yep. So what does that look like <laughs> in your guys's life right now? When you, when, when someone asks you the question, like, how are you participating in discipleship right now? What are some practical things from, you know, conversations to, I know you and Dustin are really involved in counseling, which again, not equivalent, but interrelated. What does discipleship look like in your guys's life as a whole? Right now, for me, a lot of it is centered around our community group that we, we are leaders of a community group in our church. So that's our equivalent of small groups um, where we typically will talk about the sermon or have potlucks and prayer nights and all that. So that's kind of the center of our, our week on Wednesday nights. And then um, both Dustin and I serve in our counseling ministry as well. I want to ask and, you a question on that community group uh, yeah. um, real quick. Uh, Cause what you just described, you, prayer night is, is special and distinct, but you talk about, you know, potlucks as a whole, how do you, with this framework we've talked about, how are potlucks distinct from, you know, a neighborhood potluck or something in that regard? Like how, how do you use those opportunities to say, this is a potential for those kind of three things of, of grace, intentional and relationship? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, we really look at those kinds of nights as opportunities to, for like more free form conversation to take place where you can really check in with an individual about how they're doing um, in a like looser setting where, you know, some of us, I actually myself have a harder time with like all sitting around the couch, 15 of us, 10 of us talking about the sermon and like that format of me sharing. And it's it basically feels Scott's sermons, isn't it? That's the problem. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's that. It's that. I just yeah. can't, I can't engage. I can't connect. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's something very weighty about that that can feel harder to enter in to some of the mm. heart level conversations sometimes. And sometimes it depends on the the nature of your group and whether or not they tend toward theological discussion or heart level conversation. Mm. So some of that so, I think Define is, that distinction. I think that's a really good distinction. Define that. Like, what are you saying when you say those things? Yeah. So what I mean by that is there is a way to talk about something like discipleship, for example, Let's say we want to have a concept of, or a conversation about discipleship. There's a way you and I could have this conversation that we are literally just talking about the theory of it, the application of it from a analytical, mathematical. There's a way to talk about theology that doesn't engage your heart at all, where we could talk about the analysis of it in a sense. Mm -hmm. And then on the other side, there's a way to engage your heart where you're sharing stories or you're um, sharing like how God has used that in your life, how God has used certain passages to teach you about that. 
that engages the heart a little bit more, or you ask questions of others that draw them out. I think depending on the group of people that you have in your home or even the person you're meeting with, you're going to have to work harder to get to the heart side or to the like, have you thought about this as like what God calls us to and and, and all that and, and from the conceptual level. So I think we all have those tendencies for what our comfort level is and comfort zone is. And our group tends to, I think everyone would agree with me in this, is that we tend to go in the more... Uh, headspace, theoretical, mm-hmm. not theoretical, but the headspace place of analyzing, right. discussing, which in the life on life kind of ministry, I don't think that's where discipleship really lives in terms of accessing, like where you really need to grow. I think you need both. Circling back to the potluck discussion, I think potlucks and like looser nights and even smaller groups, smaller group settings can allow for that kind of, there's just a little bit more room to breathe in it. Yeah. And um, feel a little safer for people like me who are like, I want to be open and vulnerable, but a room of 10 people is just a little too much for me to. Right. Your extrovert has limits. And when we're going back and forth about like the sovereignty of God and all this stuff, like it just, it's, it's hard to find that access point sometimes for like, but I'm struggling with anxiety on a Wednesday. Like, yeah, you know, how does this fit? So, yeah, well, I think that's that you, you, you described that tension perfectly where discipleship, uh, uh, I would say friendships, um, reach across and that's great, but discipleship reaches down. And so that you can turn those either ways where we all have processes of thought and experience, which are natural for us. It's easy for me to have those theological, theoretical conversations. Um, it's easy for my wife to have those, um, nitty gritty life on life things. And yet my wife needs to wrestle, be wrestled towards, um, you're anxious. What does God's sovereignty say about that? Mm -hmm. And then my wife needs to wrestle me uh, to say, you're talking about God's sovereignty and yet you're living your life as an anxious wreck over here. (laughs) Like what what does that look like? How does all that touch down? No, you're so right. Yeah. And that's 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 that good discipleship because taking um, right, right, doctrines of grace and um, soteriology, they, when done truly, always get to the heart. Mm-hmm. But we need people. That, that's why uh, pastors are not theology textbooks and why we don't just hand a book without a person and say, come back when you're sanctified. Uh, we, we inject life into that. And you're describing that um, really, really well. Because it can happen in the, a counseling session, this biblical counseling session where there's a specific need and a specific crisis and a specific individual that needs intentional, cautious care. Yeah. But it can also happen um, when you guys are, are chewing on a, a churro. I imagine, you know, Southern California, you've got churros um, <laughs> at a potluck or something like that. Yeah. Um, you know what and, we also have, though, is Oreo cookie salad, which I don't know if Montana if that's a thing where you guys are, but certainly in Minnesota it is. So, so that's, uh, I have noticed. So I'm originally from, I'm originally from San Diego. Um, and then I'm, I moved up here and I realized when you talk to people from the Midwest, so Missoula is a really healthy town. Like when men's fitness or, uh, outside magazine, it's always like one of the top five. Um, and so when people here talk about salads, you're talking about like kale vinaigrette, Yes. And like, we'll have yes. people come who are visiting the church and they're like, I'll bring a salad and they bring, it's like whipped cream and Snickers. And I'm just like, Snickers I, don't, salad. Yes. I don't think we have the same understanding of what a salad is, yes, but I great. also would yeah. much rather live under those other definitions of a salad. If, <laughs> if I can, I'll leave the greens for something else. <laughs> yes. It's, it's an ongoing, 
uh, I won't say fight, but it's a, it's a heated discussion in our group because we have native Californians who are yeah. like, this is what a salad is. And Mixed then we have my husband yeah. who just loves to troll people and he's, he's married to the, the Oreo cookie salad side dish. <laughs> it's not uh, a dessert. I could, I could think of worse things to have in a spouse. <laughs> so it's one who constantly wants to feed you Oreo salads. Yeah. Yeah, um, so Sarah, you are not employed by the church. Your husband right. is an elder uh, and a pastor, but not uh, working nine to five at the church. You guys have a, uh, 10 year old or 10 month old daughter who is demanding increasingly more and more time and affection. How do you find time to disciple? Like there's all these things that vie for your attention, whether it's, you know, part-time work, getting back into dancing, caring for your husband, good things, things that God's given to us. How in the world do you not only, so here's that theology heart level thing, have a theology of discipleship, but actually have a life of discipleship. It's a little thing I like to call nap time. (laughs) Praise God for it, right? At least in this season. I think so. No, all kidding aside, I think my real answer is at least for for me. My wife does the majority of her counseling and discipleship in nap times. So, yeah, I think what I'm learning as I'm, I was just talking to a friend the other night of like, I know God's doing something right now. I just don't know what it is. Because when you're a new mom, you know you're changing. You just, you're, you can't see it yet because it's still so fresh for me. So I think something that I'm learning in the season and I think is characterized by the way my schedule looks and the way that discipleship and community or not community group, uh, counseling in particular fits into that is flexibility and being uh, just adapting to what God has on my plate at the moment. So before I, we had a child, we tried to center our counseling around one night of the week, but I had, I had more free time in some senses before having a child. But now, um, I have more daytime availability because I'm not, I'm not seeking outside work at this moment. And really I am focusing on those two things of serving my family through caring for Rose primarily. And of course my husband, but, um, also seeking to really grow in my life on life, personal ministry skills. I'm really, I'm really like actively working on sharpening those things right now. So I will say I might be in a bit of a unique season where it's, it's a primary focus of growth, even though I'm not, I'm not going to school. It is right. something that I feel like is a season for me where I'm really seeking to set aside time to invest in that. And so I know that's not for everyone. And um, yeah, but I think getting back to your original question, it is flexibility and a lot of it does happen on nap time. And I think the Lord has allowed it where he's put people in my life who have also that uh, that schedule flexibility and that graciousness to flex with me and say like, hey, do you want to come over at 2.30 when Rose is sleeping? Um, that also, I totally want to recognize that. Like it's, it's people being gracious with me and recognizing where I'm at in my life stage that like an 8 p.m. counseling session at the church is just, it's just a little harder. I'll do that, but it's a little harder right now in this particular season. So um yeah, I think that's 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 one of the big things. How important is it for you and Dustin to have a uh, similar understanding of the significance of the local church and discipleship? Because um, you know we're talking about time. God God mm-hmm. gives us a fixed amount of time, and we're to yeah. steward it. And unlike money, which is another commodity, we can't make more time. Um, yeah. And so, how do you guys uh, encourage one another when? Sometimes it's easier to 
not disciple? I think this is going to sound so, this, there's a way that this could sound cheesy, but I think in those moments when it's hard or you just feel like staying home or, or just turning off for the night, I think um, we have to constantly remind ourselves of why, like, why are we doing this? Like, we don't have to do this. Right. And um, I think God has been so gracious in our marriage in particular of giving us a vision of running alongside each other and chasing the Lord and being the, the, the term this, that we used in college was like co-journers. Mm. <laughs> Which Co- feels, like sojourners, but cooler. It feels so college yeah. and, and like cringy. Um, but at the time it worked and we haven't like talked about it in years, but I think that that the way that we fundamentally view our relationship is not a insular, this is for us relationship. Um, it's not, this isn't something we talk about every day, but I think if, since you're asking me to call it out, like, I think there's a, there's a, an element in our relationship that's always been there that has been agreed upon and discussed at the outset of like, our marriage is for the Lord and our marriage is meant to be a reflection of his sacrifice for us. And that means that we want to bring other people into that. And if that's the ultimate goal then you're going to sacrifice your whatever night or, you know, whatever day you're going to invite people into that. Um, and it just makes it easier. But yeah, I think we've just both been on the same page about like, we love our marriage. We love each other. We enjoy spending time with each other, but ultimately this picture is not about us. And so, Mm. um, like we can serve from a place of joy. Um, and when he goes out, I don't like, I don't like get mad at him. He's serving. I'm like, he's serving the Lord. Like, praise God, I have a husband who like digs in and wants to do that. And like, we're serving each other and, and running alongside each other. So um, I think just thinking about it from that, does that make sense? I don't know if I just I think, no, I think that was, that. no, that was wonderful. I, I, okay. I, uh, I think the, uh, the, the co-journers thing probably meets your cheesy definition pretty well, yeah, but what I you know. just said, like, like <laughs> I, I don't want to, uh, like I, I want to, blow up what you just said because it was is beautiful that you have a fundamental understanding at the core of your marriage that your marriage is uh not for you um that your marriage is for the lord and it's also for others and it's for you too um right there's all those wonderful things that paul talks about um in marriage where you are for each other and it is unique and that uniqueness is what points to the gospel and the exclusivity but on a whole um, that was a really that's a that's a paradigm that we want to give away to our church, and it's cool to see you guys modeling that um, because it's profound, and that's mm-hmm. something that will serve Rose um, better to see how mom and dad are opening up um, their hearts, their homes, their calendars for the sake of others and suffering no loss from it. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I've, and sorry, just if I could tag in, I think yeah, um, I think there's something that there's joy to be had there. And I think often we think about our time, you know, knowing that it is a commodity that we don't get back. We think about it stealing away from us, but like there are so many times where I have not felt like doing something counseling or ministry related. Then I go away and I have this meeting and I'm just like so refreshed and so blessed by the Lord through it. So blessed by this friendship that I'm developing And so it really, it's like, it turns it on its head for me. And I've had that happen so many times to be reminded that like 
I am investing like this tiny little amount and the Lord just like puts tons of oil on my head and blesses me <laughs> so much more, you know, and, and that's just happened time and time again. I, I know for both of us that I think if you do it enough, Lord willing, like you'll just kind of catch that and feel like, I know that this is a weighty, beautiful, joyful thing. And that's worth sacrificing for not burning out for, right? Because that's not, the goal isn't just like run as far and as fast as you can for forever. Um, there's wisdom in how to, how to make it go in a sustainable way. But um, yeah. I think just not forgetting the, the joy that there is there too. A uh, question for you that I, I didn't give you beforehand. So this is me steering in uncharted waters for you. So you could, uh, you could choose to plead the fifth. Um, but as you consider this this changed uh, life situation that you guys are in of of um, being parents now. How is that uh, influencing your view of discipleship, or what things are you or challenges are you even finding right now that you're like, okay, these are some of the things I'm needing to to think through and adjust for. I mean, certainly on a very practical level, I think there's just my energy level has changed. Yeah. Uh, I think uh, caretaking is uniquely tiring in a way that sitting at my computer or even going to a dance rehearsal, just it, it, it's, I've had a hard time even characterizing it with words because it's, it's, yeah, it just feels very hard to, to describe, but um, I feel like I have a little bit of a less, less capacity at the end of the day to like, get up and go again. Like once yeah. that girl goes down to sleep, it's like, Ooh, I gotta, <laughs> I need to reset, you know? So, uh, I think that's something that is something that I'm working through and trying to figure out. And all, I'm always evaluating capacity in a different way mm -hmm. now. Um, it just does feel like it's shifted and a little bit different. Um, because the demands on my time are so, are so much more external now versus before when I could, I could run my day a little bit yeah. more, you know? Has it, um, cause this is one thing that, that I've been recently convicted of. So we have, we have four children and, um, running through those same margins and capacity things, uh, that there are two things, one from my life and one thing from my wife's life that I'm wondering where you guys are at in that process. The first is for me is, uh, it's a growing thing. So my, our oldest is eight, um, we have eight, six, three, and one and a half another pandemic baby. And, yes. uh, I'm making this turn now to where like, I need to disciple my kids, um, in like intentional ways where like being home with my kids, uh, is not, not doing discipleship, but of trying to bring that grace centered intentionality and relationship there, uh, and to not feel like even for the church, like I'm a vocational pastor, the church is paying me to disciple people mm -hmm. and to see that as apart from what the church wants me to do. But then secondly, one thing, um, and this perhaps is just encouragement for you is, is my wife similarly, uh, extroverted, energized by crowds until at each level of new child, her, her capacity went down and down. <laughs> but there's this wonderful thing. Cause you talked about this joy is we get to those places where sometimes Tuesday nights are a community group and she's just dreading it. She's like, I have nothing left to give, yeah. but God in his mercy, like by the end of the night, she's, I'm like kicking people out of the door from Sarah's yeah. conversations because yeah. um, yeah. she loves it. And, but that is like, that's how God made us. He made us with limitations and those limitations that don't actually um, 
crush us. It's the limitations actually remind us that we're not God and God is bigger than us. And God gives us exactly what we need in the moments that we need it. Um, and so when you, when you, I, I guess I don't really have a, a question here anymore, but when it comes to even with a 10 month old, are you thinking like through a framework of how am I helping Rose follow Jesus? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think right now it is for her, but it's also for me, it's training for me and training for Dustin to get in the habit of, um, for example, I'll try to do a Psalm with her every day at breakfast or some other time. She really is in the ripping pages stage. So it has to be somewhere where she's not like on top of me. Um, so usually breakfast where she's got her own thing going, but I'm, I am, yes, trying to actively get in the habit of how can I introduce her to the Lord through, um, literally opening up scripture and reading it out loud to her. Um, through reading her, you know, her story about storybook Bible or something before sleep, um, singing hymns to her, things like that. We are certainly trying to do age appropriate things that will introduce her. But yeah, we definitely, um, it is a grace that you don't have to think about, like, we'll try to meet each moment for where, where we're at. Not like, how am I going to disciple this child? Um, yeah. but that's, that's like what discipleship looks like with this child right now is, is reading Psalm 139 to her and being like, can you believe that God did this, that you are wonderfully, fearfully and wonderfully made. And like, yeah, it's still very fresh for me at least, of course. And so, um, I heard a, a very encouraging story one time. It's probably on, I think it was on a podcast of this, this, uh, father who read his daughter the same Psalm every day in her crib. And, you know, you have no idea what's, if it's right. making a mark. One day she stood up in her crib and recited the whole thing. Now, <laughs> I don't know how old this child is, but that like planted a seed for me right away to be like, I'm going to just plant seeds and ask God to multiply them. Because right. that's all we, any of us are ever doing, whether yeah. it's a 10 month old or a 45 year old, right? We're planting yeah. seeds and we're saying, God, Unless you do this, nothing's going to happen. So, um, so yeah, those are some of the ways that we're trying to think about that and and try and just say, Lord, we, you have gifted this wonderful girl to us to enjoy, but also to share and to, um, help us. Like we want to steward the gospel into her heart as, as much as we can and, and seek that she, will love you. And so, yeah, those are the ways that we're doing that right now. That's awesome. And I think that there's a way in which when we, um, as we think both ways, it helps us disciple. Cause in a sense, um, I'm strategically thinking about how to disciple others, but it challenges me. Am I strategically thinking about not how to just raise functional children, but am mm-hmm. I strategically thinking how to disciple my children? Mm-hmm. But then vice versa. It's like with your kids, there's this innate trust you have that God's going to accomplish something. But then when I look at my discipleship relationships, do I have that trust with the 33 <laughs> year old I'm meeting with right? that God's also yeah. going to to do that in his timing. And I'm responsible yeah. for the faithfulness instead of being defeated at the losses, right? We're not defeated yeah. when our kids um, mess up or swear for the uh, like third time that week. It's frustrating, but it's like, there's grace and there's growth. But am I giving that to other people as well? Yeah. Um, That's interesting because I feel like at this point in time, I might operate opposite from that because I feel like I could see something, some new habit Rose is doing, like screaming because she's finding her voice. And you're like, oh, no, is this 
how it's going to be forever now. <laughs> 18 years. <laughs> you know what I mean? Even yeah. though it's like, it's a week and then she's onto something else. But I think it's very easy to be like, this is who you are now. <laughs> I have to figure this out and shape this. <laughs> yeah, life is humbling and God is yeah. good. Yes. All right. Uh, we have some lightning round questions for you, Sarah. So are you ready? Yeah, let's do it. All right. So uh, favorite activity that can be used to disciple someone. So context is you've got, you know, uh, lady in the church, growing Christian, outside of just sitting down and reading the Bible or um, reading a book, something you could do actively that you could have those intentional conversations during, what is it? Food. Food. Beautiful. How is there any other? No, of course there are other answers. No, uh, food. I'm, I'm not very creative with, with my activities. Uh, I probably but could do hiking or your salads. Something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I'll definitely say there's gotta be eating of some That's good. kind. Yeah. That's a church I can get behind. Um, yeah. All right. Favorite biblical book to read with someone you're discipling. And we'll keep the same context. Uh, eager, growing Christian. I like The Cross-Centered Life by C.J. Mahaney. Okay. it's a good one. Uh, now we'll do favorite uh, book of the Bible to read with somebody. Ephesians. Ephesians. Why? Yeah. Um, I, I feel like it's, it's a really good book for laying out all these amazing, incredible gospel truths, gospel foundations, who you are now in Christ. And then it goes into, okay, because of all these things and in reflection of all these things, these are our calls for how we're called to live as Christians. Mm. Um, and I just love that. I think certain things like Ephesians five or yeah, in particular Ephesians five, like if you're counseling a married couple and you just jump there without the context of like how everything feeds into it, it can feel very like, and this is what you're supposed to do. And this is what you're yeah. supposed to do. But if you see it in the context of this beautiful, glorious truth of all these amazing things that God has done before he's even asking you to do anything, I, I think it just, uh, it really sets things up in a great way. So I beautiful. Love yeah. favorite question to ask um, to get at somebody's heart in a discipleship context. Why do you think that? <laughs> no, I mean, yeah, it's, it's so, yeah. it's so, uh, I'm sure it's topically, it's probably each individual thing, but yeah, usually it's why it's like, why do you why feel do you that way? That? Or do you think that's really true? That's good. Basic. All right. So, um, I, as I said, I, uh, I was born in San Diego area. And so I know that there is a little bit of a tension. San Diego is all about burritos. LA is all about tacos. Um, but I'm going to give you four kinds of food you have to cut to and keep to. All right. Okay. Fish tacos, street tacos. And so I separate those cause they're, they're not always the same, but you just, right. you know, al pastor carnitas, yeah. fish tacos, street tacos, Mission burritos and nachos. Keep two, cut two. Okay, you're gonna have to explain to me what mission burritos are. I'm so j sorry. J well, so mission burritos are just like the the big burritos. Just oh, your typical like 12 inch shell burritos. Okay, I'm going to keep street tacos 100. percent Okay. And I'm going to keep probably burritos. I'm probably gonna lose the nachos and the fish tacos. Wow, that's. I bold. like fish tacos. But I don't think I've ever liked a fish taco more than I've liked the average burrito. Maybe That's I'm not fair. having the right ones. 
because I'm not I'm in prob- San Diego. I'm probably on the <laughs> on the same same uh, same place as you. There's yeah. the uh, yeah. All right. Well, we could talk about food forever um, <laughs> because it's come up at multiple times in this. Yes. Which uh, you're not the first person on this podcast who's talked about that. So maybe it's me uh, who uh, only invites people who likes food uh, onto this. Oh, no. So. Well, thank you so much, Sarah, for joining us today. Um, we will be praying for you guys as you guys are, Lord willing, going to be participating in a church plant here in this next coming season. Um, and so we so uh, are excited by local churches going forward and serving more people that way. Grateful for that. Grateful for you taking time here. Um, and so uh, we wish you guys well. Thanks for stopping thank by. Thank you. Thank you for having me.